We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Welcome everybody to Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. And welcome everybody to the spooky month of October. We're so glad to have you here with us in Plano, Texas. Everybody in the room, I welcome you. Everybody joining us online, finding us somehow on the interwebs, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us. We always like to do things a little different in October, and this month, this year is no different. Our world is becoming more and more technologically advanced. Do you agree with that? The ability to make visuals and audio and manipulate them to trick others is at, an, at a level few imagined possible. For decades, graphic artists have been able to edit pictures uh, and video using software like, like Photoshop. And they were able to do some amazing things with that. They were able to absolutely transform people. But now... In the year 2023, with the invention of AI, artificial intelligence can manipulate video and audio at a higher level and can do it in real time. Our intro video seemed a little different, didn't it? There was something going on with that. Some of you were like, what? Who are these people and what? what's going on here? You know why that seemed a little different? Because... None of the faces or voices you experienced in the video were actual people. None of those people exist. They didn't take an image from, from a person. A computer invented an image. They didn't take a voice from someone. AI invented the voice. All of that was generated from AI. I supplied the script and the artificial intelligence did the rest instantly in real time. The faces and the voices were synthesized from thousands of facial features and voice recordings. And they have a database and they put that all together and they run numbers and algorithms and, and stuff that's way beyond me. And it does it all instantly. The technology was able to create lifelike image. And yet, I think some of you would agree that something about these images was not true to life at the same time. Most people describe it as lacking a soul. And I kind of go with that. Yeah, those images lacked soul. Look at somebody say, you got to have soul. Get back. Cue the James Brown references. You got to have soul, y'all. The kind of technology that we just saw is an example of deep fake technology. Somebody say deep fake. What is deep fake? Here's what it is. Uh, they are synthetic media that have been digitally manipulated to replace one person's image convincingly with that of another. Deep fakes are the manipulation of facial appearance through deep generative methods. That's where you get deep. It's deep in computer language, deep generative methods. And that means it's a deep fake. The first time I, I really became, well, first, well, just wave your hand at me if you are kind of aware of deep fakes before tonight. 
right? You're kind of aware. All right, good, good, good. The first time I became aware of deep fake technology was in 2018, which is not that long ago. When a comedian named Jordan Peele did a deep fake of President Barack Obama. Jordan Peele spoke into a camera and did a verbal impression of the former president. He provided the voice and the audio. And then a computer took that footage of, of Jordan Peele, took his voice and applied it to a database of Barack Obama's face and his movements, his facial movements, and made the image of Barack Obama saying all the silly and somewhat offensive things that Jordan Peele was saying. The video starts with just, you see a picture of the president and he starts talking and then he drops a curse word and you're like, what? Why? That's unlike the president, right? Because it's not the president. The visual image of Obama was very convincing and it was actually a PSA, a public service announcement of the dangers of technology and how you can't always trust your eyes and your ears. That was in 2018. When I revisited that video this week, I could tell, yeah, that video is not as good as some of the videos I'm seeing right now. It has advanced greatly in the last five years. Deep fake technology has been in production since 1997. I've, I've, I learned recently just studying this. When a video rewrite program was created. It was called video rewrite program. They actually used it at the time to take old footage of President uh, JFK and make him say things like, I never knew Forrest Gump. You can find that stuff on the internet. It's not all that convincing. You can tell that there's something weird with his face. But that was in 1997. The groundbreaking, uh, the groundbreaking software boasted that it could synthesize new facial animations from an audio output. It built upon older work that interpreted faces, synthesized audio from text, and modeled lips in 3D space but was the first to put it all together and animate it convincingly. Now, deepfake is largely used in silly ways, like face-swapping Elon Musk's face with the body of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, just look up Elon The Rock Musk, and that's what you get. That, so they, they, they took, through deepfake technology and through editing, they, they took Elon Musk's face and put it on, Huge Dwayne The Rock Johnson and your body recoils immediately. I see some of y'all, y'all like, what's going on? It's not real. It's, Elon hasn't been hitting the steroids. As technology has grown, the deep fakes have become more and more convincing and they become more and more dangerous. At its core, deep fake is the hijacking. Everybody say hijacking of an image. The image that the creator made is being taken and altered and manipulated by another. As recently as 2020, in 2020, a lady named Helen Mort was horrified when one, some, one of her friends alerted her that her image was being used in inappropriate ways. She saw her face and her image plastered all over 
a porn site. Someone had taken images from her Facebook profile. Not sexual images, but simply pictures at holiday gatherings. Pictures at a wedding. Pictures at a party. But they took these very ordinary, non-sexual pictures and manipulated them through deep fake and placed Helen Mort within a violent and graphic pornographic scene. And Helen is quoted as saying that she felt such shame when she saw those images. It affected her value as a person to see herself like that. And that she still has nightmares about this violation of her identity today. As technology continues to increase, these dangers, they grow more and more prevalent it leaves many to ask, how can we trust what we see and hear? And I want to tell you today that there is spiritual significance attached to the idea of an image being hijacked. The struggle we face is much more than technological. The danger is much more than hackers stealing your personal identity. There are spiritual forces that want to corrupt and manipulate your image. The image of those around you. And ultimately, there are spiritual forces that want to manipulate the image of God. That's what we're going to be talking about. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be learning about the concept of the image of God. How it has been deep faked or hijacked by sin. And how... We must reclaim the image. Everybody say reclaim the image. Let's talk about the image of God. What does God look like? Go ahead and close your eyes. Try to get a picture. What does your imagination say? What does your brain pull up when you say, okay, brain, what does God look like? Just get that picture up. Close your eyes. Try to picture God. All right, now come back to me. I am always kind of fuzzy on that when I try to picture what God looks like. I'm just, it might be just my brain. Anybody feel a little fuzzy about it? I'm not sure. Like I have trouble imagining faces sometimes. I have trouble with it. So when, when I had trouble, I'd do what everyone does. I went to Google. I went to Google and I asked, I asked Google, oh wise Google, what does God look like? And here is what came back. Here's God pick number one. Here's God pick number one. Talk about fuzzy, but that's what, if you Google it right now, right? What does God look like? That's what comes back. And actually, this is like a, a Vox story uh, where 500 people were po polled and chose this as their picture of what God must look like. So 500 people thought this is, this is what God most looks like. That's, that's interesting. I don't know what to make of that, but that story goes all over the place in, in conjecturing. God picked number two. What is that? Yes, that is Charlton Heston, right? Star of movies like The Planet of the Apes, Soylent Green, and The Ten Commandments. That is that's what a lot of people think God must look like. And then pick God pick number three. Yes, that is from Monty Python. Whenever they have God in Monty Python, they go to this little cartoon and he grumbles and he's kind of mad and he throws something on the earth and it hits someone in the head. Something like that. 
What does God look like? Huh. Oh, the image of God. I want to tell you today, and I hope you agree, God does not look like any of these. And I hope this doesn't offend you, but I think it is very likely that God does not look like the image that you tried to come up with in your mind either. Okay? The image you have of God, though, is an important topic. Very important to understand the image of God. I want to teach you this today. This is a major thing I want to teach you. Your life will reflect your image of God. Can you say that with me? Your life will reflect the image of God. Your God. There we go. Some people have an image of a bloodthirsty God. A bloodthirsty, angry, very angry God. And so... Some of these people, they strap bombs to themselves. And they go to a crowd of innocent people. And they blow themselves up. And they're called suicide bombers. And before they blow themselves up, they sing praise to God that this is surely what God wants. Why did they do that? Because that's their image of God. And your life will reflect the image of your God. Some people have an image of a hateful God who created everybody yet doesn't love everybody. He only loves certain one of them. And usually they're the ones that say, well, God loves me. He doesn't love you. These are the kind of people. Those people exist. This is a real thing. And so these people that have a picture of an angry, hateful God who doesn't love everyone, they put on Ku Klux Klan sheets. And they tell people of color that God hates them. Or maybe, they, maybe it runs out differently. Maybe they go protest others with hateful faces. Why do they do that? Because that is the image of their God. And your life always reflects your image of God. Some people's image of God is nothing. They have no image of God. These are people who do not believe in God. We call them atheists, right? So often, when you talk to them, they'll tell you things like, life has no meaning. That there's, you know, you just live and you die and you might learn a few things along the way, but then you're dead and you're gone and there is nothing. And so they'll say right now, really, your life has no meaning. It's nothing. Why? Why did they come to that conclusion? Because that's the image of their God. The image of their God is even nothing. And it affects. Every person on earth is affected by this. Your life will reflect the image of your God. Who is your God? You need to know that. And whose image are you reflecting? What does your image look like? What is the reflection of the image of your God in the world? It might be a good, good thing to take some account of that. What do other people see when they see me? Because they are not just seeing you. They are seeing what you must believe about God. Oh my goodness. I-75 must have no Christians on it. <laughs> that highway. My gosh. It's a dangerous place to be. I don't know. if. The, oh my gosh. Please do not ever put a redemption bumper sticker on your car. And then go salute someone on I-75. Please don't do that. Oof. 
We need to reflect the image of God, don't we? But there's a problem. Uh-oh, there's a problem. Everybody said there's a problem. Are you aware of the problem? Here's the problem. God is actually invisible. What's the image of our God? And then you learn, well, God's invisible. We have a verse that says it, 1 Timothy 1.17. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. God is invisible. There's several other verses that say that in the scripture. The Bible really holds to the fact that God is invisible. So how can we reflect the image of an invisible God? Have I succeeded in confusing anybody yet? You're online, get just go ahead and say, Yep, I'm confused. If you're confused, stick with me. All right, we aren't done yet. When trying to figure things out, I often go back to the beginning. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. If you'll turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 with me, we're going to be looking back at the beginning. God creates the world in Genesis chapter 1, and it's a, a good place, isn't it? God says over and over that it is good. It is a perfect world. There is no pollution there. There is no climate change concern there. There is no corruption there. There is no evil there. There is no internal revenue service there. There is no Philadelphia Eagles football team there. Charles says preach. Preach. But no, it's a, it's a perfect place that God creates. And then God creates mankind. Now, and I know that, that's normally when we go, uh-oh. But wait a second. It's actually good at first when he creates mankind. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Who is made in God's image? Well, male and female. Can I point out something to you? Not just male, but male and female. Scripture does not say Adam was made in the image of God, but not Eve. Let me clear that up for you. That men and women are both made in the image of God and important to Him and a glory. All of humanity is made. In the image of God. Because all humanity comes from Adam and Eve. According to scripture. So now all humanity. Is made in the image of God. And here is an important thing to note. Nothing else in creation. Is made. In the image of God. Beautiful nature. Is not God's image. I love the beauty of nature. But it's not God's image. Neat animals. I love animals. I love to take my kids to the zoos. I, I geek out over cool animals. But they are not the image of God. The stars in the sky are not God's image either. We're going to have a, a solar eclipse coming up pretty soon. It's probably not visible where we are. It's probably I've heard it's visible out towards New Mexico. <laughs> but... As beautiful as the stars in the sky are. All the planets. They are not God's image either. These are merely reflections of His grandeur. His creativity. And His expanse. But not His image. Let's go a little further. 
God made angels. And if we saw an angel right now, we would flip out. Ricky, we would flip out if an angel showed up like, Phew! we'd all be like, what? What? We'd never forget it. We might, it might be so bl blindingly bright. Some of us would fall on our face. We're like, oh, it would be crazy. There's times in your Bible where the angels show up and people accidentally worship them because they're so beautiful. The disciple John actually mistakenly worships an angel. And then the angel's like, this is Chris Fluid version. He says, uh, bro, uh, bro, don't worship me. I'm just an angel. Worship God. Listen, angels are amazing. They are glorious, but they're not made in the image of God. I'm telling you, only mankind is made in God's image. That's how important humanity is to God. Mankind is the only thing in the entire universe, in all of eternity, that's made in the image of God. I don't mean to brag y'all, but I'm kind of a big deal. Look at somebody say, I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah, you are. You are made in the image of God. You are a big deal. Imago Dei. Everybody say Imago Dei. This is Latin for image of God. Ancient Christians would celebrate the wonder and meaning of being made in the image of God. Of God. And if you read first. Uh, if you read Genesis 1.27. Where they're made in the image of God. In the Latin. It would say. Imago Dei. We are. Imago Dei. Let's investigate. That wonder. For a moment. We find in Genesis. So in Genesis 1. God forms Adam. Out of the dirt. And then out of Adam forms Eve from a rib, right? Y'all follow me so far? Y'all remember that story? And Adam takes one look at her and says, Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He says, there ain't nobody like that. And what, what proceeds to happen? They love each other. They did not argue. Don't flinch, married couples. They did not argue. They did not try to manipulate each other. They were an unbreakable bond. They had no clue about divorce. There was no such thing as infidelity. And they never grew tired of each other. That's a Mago day. This is relationship inside the image of God. We'll move on a little further. Adam has a job. Did you know that jobs in, existed in the Garden of Eden? Jobs are not a result of sin. I know you want that. I'm sorry. I know you want that to be. <laughs> but Adam in this perfect Imago Day experience has a job and he has a purpose what is it? he tended the garden 
He actually worked with his hands. He worked in the garden. And you all want to point out some things that don't exist in this Imago day. He does not complain about his job. Why you got to preach like that, Pastor? He never complains about the work that he has to do. He does not, he never complains about his boss. Now granted, he has the best boss of all time. It's the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> you, you're free to say, yeah, he didn't have my boss. You're free to say that. But in the Imago day, he was perfectly happy with, with the purpose God gave him. With the job God gave him. And he was perfectly happy with his boss. As the image of God, he enjoys the work. He enjoys having purpose. And he enjoys having a relationship. And God gave them one rule. Rule existed in the Imago Dei. It wasn't like there was no rules. There was rule only, and I mean singular, one rule. There was one rule. Everybody say one rule. He gave them one rule and he gave them one life to live inside this Imago Day. And they took no issue with the rule. Now I know what you're thinking. Wait, that's next chapter. We're in chapter 2 right now. And they never complained about the rule of God. They never complained about the one law that God gave them. They never argued with God. They did not complain behind his back. They trusted what God said and they took God's word as truth and they walked with God in open relationship. All of this took place in the Imago Day, the image of God. And the last verse of Genesis 2 says that Adam and Eve felt no shame. I want to tell you, they did not shame one another. Friends, family, brothers and sisters, spouses. They did not shame one another. They never caused one another to feel shame inside the Imago Day. They did not shame one another. They did not know what shame even was. Life inside the Imago Day sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It was full of love. It was full of peace. It was full of purpose. And it had no shame. Does that describe your life? And we need to, we need to own that. Where does that not describe your life? Does that describe your relationships? Listen, guys, I know it doesn't. It's alright. Let's look at it. Does it describe your career? Me neither, and I'm a pastor. My life does not compare, compare well to the Imago Dei life of Genesis 1 and 2. Why? Why? Here it is. Sin hijacks the image. We're going to be talking about this over the next week. Sin hijacks the image. What image? The Imago Dei. The image of God. The image we were created in. In Genesis 3, someone. Everyone said, boo. Someone. Everyone say, boo. 
someone who does not bear the image of God slithers up. What is it? It's a serpent. He's the bad guy in our story. He is not the image of God, but he comes up in the scene. And the serpent, not made in the image of God, Scripture describes his image. What is his image? It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Genesis. That's how the chapter starts. Chapter 3, verse 1. His image is craftiness. His image is trickery. His image is lies. According to Jesus, his image is murder. Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. The crafty serpent, he attacks the image of God. The serpent attacks Adam and Eve by attacking their understanding of the image. That visual that they had of the image of God. What it meant to be made in His image. And He attacks them with guns? With tanks? But how does He attack? He attacks them with words. He attacks them with thoughts. Verse 1 of Genesis, He said to the woman, Did God really say... You must not eat from any tree in the garden. He attacks the man and woman by attacking the image of God that's in their mind. Did God, you, don't you want to rethink this whole God thing? Are you sure about that? The serpent attacks what here? He's attacking God's trustworthiness. God's honesty. God being true. He's attacking image of God. Can you really trust what God says? Can you really trust the Bible? Can you really trust about what we've learned about Jesus? These are the same attacks the serpent, the one who is not made in the image of God, attacks you with. The serpent attacks the motive of God and suggests that God does not want them to eat the fruit because they will Grow as powerful as God. Now he's attacking God's motives. First he's like, did God really say? Now he's saying, now he flips it. He says, yeah, God did say. See, he, he, he's totally hypocrite here. He's like, did God really say? And then he says, yeah, God said it because he doesn't want you to grow powerful. He doesn't even say things that agree with himself. Do you see this? This is in one verse. God is just trying to keep the good stuff to Himself. You can't trust God. It's attacking the image. It's attacking the motive of God. Oh, part of the image of God is to understand the motive of God. To know that God is for you, not against you. So Eve first, and then Adam eat the fruit that God told them not to eat. And at that moment, that's the moment that sin hijacked the image of God in mankind. I want you to get this. That the thought is not what hijacked it. Now the thoughts led to it. But it was sin entering into Adam and Eve that hijacked the image of God. The serpent had pulled a deep fake. The serpent had pulled a deep fake. We're bringing it back. Here it is. Deep fake. 
He acted like he was the voice of truth. This deep fake continues today and leaves us wondering who we can trust. Even though God has given us his word, sent his son to earth, and we have the Bible and it is powerful and it is true, we look at it and we go, well, I don't know if I can trust that. When they ate of the fruit, sin hijacked the image of God. I want you to notice how differently Adam and Eve act. We just pointed out all the wonders of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. What life inside the Imago Day is like. Now look how different they act. Adam and Eve immediately hide from God. As the image of God, they walked openly in relationship with God. Now they hear God coming and they're like, oh my gosh, God's coming. Where did you go? And they're trying to go hide. And they sow fig leaves to hide their nakedness. And they felt shame. And they felt fear. They just want just a few verses over. It said that Adam and Eve felt no shame. Now, not only do they fear have shame, but they have fear as well because fear and shame occupy the same space. As the image of God, they felt no shame and fear. And then I want you to notice this Adam blames the woman. As the image of God, Adam never complained and he never argued. He certainly never blamed Eve. Instead, he praised Eve. Instead, he held her in high regard and he said, that's bone of my bone. That is flesh of my flesh. I would rather die than be without her. But the moment sin hijacks it, he starts blaming the woman. He says, well, God, it's this woman you gave me. When he says that, he's not only blaming the woman, he's blaming God. Because God gave him the woman. You should have never given me this, this woman, God. That is a far cry from flesh of my flesh. Bone of my bone. He blames God for giving him the woman. As the image of God, he never complained about God's gifts. And he never complained about God's callings. But after the fall, after the Mago Day is broken in him after the sin is hijacked it. He has to toil in the sun. He has to toil with, with thistles, and briars, and thorns on the plants that he would tend for the rest of his life. Because sin hijacked the image. And then, so Adam blames Eve. And then, you know what Eve does? She says, it was me, please forgive me. No, that's what she should have done. Eve blames the snake. Although Eve does not adequately take responsibility, she at least points out the bad guy. So go Eve, that is true. Adam in Genesis chapter 2 sounds completely different from Adam in chapter 3 of Genesis. He sounds completely different. Eve sounds completely different in chapter 3. It's almost like a different person is speaking. It reminds me of a deep fake. Where you see the person speaking, but it's like someone else is actually doing the talking. 
It's almost like someone has hijacked the image and is pulling a deep fake right there. Remember that deep fakes are synthetic media that have been digitally manipulated to replace one person's image convincingly with that of another. The serpent came with a synthetic message and manipulated the image. It replaced the image of God with its own image. And sin hijacked the image. It is one thing to look at a computer screen and see and hear your image do and say things you would never do or say. That's a horrifying, scary thing I hope none of us experience. But I got to tell you, that is some external person deep faking you using technology. It is quite another thing to hear yourself say hurtful things. Watch yourself do harmful things that you know you would never do because some spiritual fraud is working inside of you. We all know what it's like to say things we never meant to say. And to do things we never meant to say. They are some of the lowest points of our life. If someone is deep faking you with technology, you can find the source, you can shut them down. But what if someone is deep faking you spiritually? How do you find them and shut them down? What if the source is working inside of you? What have I done? What have I said? We have uttered these words before, thought these words before. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? And I think this is how Adam and Eve felt because of sin. I know for the rest of their life, they regretted this moment. I think this is... How we feel because of sin. It's because of sin that we feel this regret. Are you shocked by some of the things you say? Are you shocked by some of the things you do? You know that deep down you should be better. You know that you're falling short of what you could be. What you should be. And what God created you to be. If that is you today I want to tell you. You are not the only one. You are not alone because sin has deep faked us all. Sin has taken that peaceful image of God and deep faked it to cause war. Sin has taken the loving image of God and deep faked it to hate others and not forgive others. Sin has taken the faithful image of God and deep faked it to where it abandons others and turns its back upon others. Sin has taken the holy image of God and deep faked it to where it does immoral things. You're not alone. This is my story. And it's also the story of the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 7 verse 15. Some of my favorite scripture in the Bible. And I just got to warn you, this scripture always makes me go, huh? If it makes you go, huh? You're not alone. This scripture is like, Say that again, Paul. What you talking about, Paul? Somebody say, what you talking about, Paul? Let's read it, and I think you'll, you'll get what I say. Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Anybody confused yet? 
Oh, we'll come back to it. We'll try to explain it, okay? Verse 16. That's just the first verse I threw at you. Though. Verse 16. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Verse 17. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Verse 20. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Can I just boil this all down for you? Paul is saying this. Life sure is confusing. Everyone said amen. Amen, Paul. Say it again one more time, brother man. Life is so confusing. The person he wants to be, the person he tries to be, the person he prays to be, often never shows up. Instead, the person he doesn't want to be, the person he says, I'm never going to do those things again. The person that says, I'm going to drop those bad habits. That bad person just shows up over and over and over again. Life sure is confusing. Instead of Paul showing up, he says, it is like some other force is at work. What force was that? Does anybody remember? Sin. Verse 17, as it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Paul's saying, I'm getting deep faith, y'all. There is another force at work in our lives. It is sin. And it has hijacked us. I have been hijacked. You have been hijacked. There are times that sin has been the one talking. There have been times where sin has been the one acting. And not you. Sin's at work. Somebody say, sin's at work. The person... That you're really mad at. Think about that person for a second. Some of y'all already had that person. You're like, I don't even have to think. I got them right now. It's you, Chris Lewitt. So mad at you. Y'all listen. Y'all listen. That person you're really mad at, you need to give them grace. Because they've been hijacked just like you. The stuff they're doing, they don't want to do. you have faith enough to say that? Paul does. That thing they said about you and that thing they did, that's not who they want to be either. But there's something else at work. And that's what we ought to be mad about. We ought to be mad about the sin that's fooling us. Making big fools out of us. That's not who they want to be. No, they were created in the image of God. They were created to be so much more. And so are you. But sin has hijacked. Hijacked us. Got a prophetic word for you. Here it is. Sin is the enemy. Not caring from work. Sin is the enemy. Not that kid from school with a cool name. 
engage. Sin is the enemy, not your least favorite politician. Sin is the enemy, and it has made fools of us all. Romans chapter 7, 21 through 24. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. God's law, I'm delighting in it. In my inner being, verse 23, but I see another law at work in me. There's two laws at work in him, y'all. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? I've got a question for you. Where is evil right now? It's got to be those other people that made us mad, right? It's them over there. You go to the halls of Congress right now. The people with the R next to their name. It's them. That's where evil is. It's, and then the people with the D on their name. They're like, it's them. It's over there. That's who it is. We're trying to point. Evil's over there. Where does Paul say evil is? It's working in him. It's inside of him. It's inside of him. Evil is working inside. Does that change some things? Don't you think more Christians ought to act like that instead of going evil world, evil, 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 evil? Did Jesus just walk around and say evil, evil, evil? Or was he in the bars with the publicans and the sinners? Or was he with the blind people? Was he with the lepers? Was he even with the hypocrites in the church at the time, the, the religious Pharisees? Whereas evil, it's working inside us. Where is sin working? It's working within us. This is true for Christians and non-Christians. Get that view. The person that you're having beef with right now, they're not your enemy. What's working on the inside of them is beyond their control right now. The Apostle Paul is confessing this. Aren't you glad he's confessing this? I'm glad he's confessing. He's saying, I'm confused and it's hard, y'all. I'm like, thank goodness. It is confusing and it is hard, y'all. Sin is within your body. Who can rescue us from what is working within our own body? Think about that. Who can rescue me from a spirit that is working inside of me? Well, Paul also gives us the answer to that question. Verse 25 continues. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Only God can deliver us. The God who made us in His image. He can deliver us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is through the work of the cross. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection that we are delivered. Sin hijacks the image, but God has offered mankind a way to reclaim the image. Somebody say, reclaim the image. Wait, 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 wait. Forgot. We never answered that question. What does God look like? How can we reclaim a visible, invisible image? 
we discovered that image is invisible. So how can we reclaim an invisible image? Sorry, guys, we can't. In sermon, everyone cries. Listen, God is invisible, but he does have an image. Do we know that image? It's our scripture memory verse for the month. I want you to know this deep down. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. Can we put a name on this, son? Can we put a name on this image? What's His name? Somebody tell me, what's the name of the image of God? Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We were made in the image of God. And that image is Jesus. Way back in the very beginning, on day six of creation. I got a Venn diagram for us. We'll look at it real quick. Venn diagram, we got two circles here. This circle is who is like God? Nobody. There's nobody like God. And who's this over here? This is mankind. Remember, nobody else is like mankind. They're made in a different way than all the creation, including angels, beauty of nature, and animals. So nobody's like God, and nobody's like mankind. Only God is God. And only mankind is mankind. And because of sin... We are, you could put a big line right here like, shoop. we are separated forever from God because of the hijacking power of sin. But God does something. God loves these people so much that He sends somebody to save us. Who is it that He sends? It's Jesus. Let's go to the second slide. Oh, remember, only God is God. And only mankind is mankind. Y'all listen to me. Only Jesus is both. Yeah. Only Him. Only Him. Y'all get that picture of Jesus. There is nobody like Jesus Christ. Only Jesus is God and man come to us. Come to show us. Come to show us what? What the image of God is. That image that has been hijacked. That image that has been broken for us. That image that we could no longer see. That image that we were completely separated from. God put on flesh. He came up and He said, Hey there, nice to meet you. And He brings us to Himself. And who He is, is God Himself. Only Jesus is both. That's why some people call Jesus the God-man. If you want to see God, so many people don't understand what God is. 
And they want to understand Him. You want to understand Him. You want to see God. You want to figure God out. You can only figure it out one way. Look at Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Somebody say amen if it's true. Oh, but there's something else. Something else so powerful about Jesus. If you ever want to see what, see mankind, how mankind was created to be. If you ever want to see what men and women were supposed to be like in the Garden of Eden. If you ever want to see what you were meant to be like. You also look to Jesus. Because he, he is the image of the perfect humanity. He is both God and human. And He reveals both to us. If you want to know your true identity, the you that you were always meant to be, you'll look to Jesus. You have been deep faked. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. We're going to be close and shop really quick and I want us to talk to God and I want us to have a moment with Him. You have been deep faked. Sin has hijacked you and turned you into what you never meant to become. What God never meant for you to become. But if you will look at Jesus today you will see who God is. And you will see who you are supposed to be. That's who we're going to talk to today. And he, we're going to learn more about Him. And we're going to be learning a lot more about His plan for us. All because we talk to Jesus. Through Christ, you can reclaim the image. You can take off that old, deep, fake sin. And you can put on a new self. I have one small passage to share with you. It's from Paul. Now we read from Colossians 1. This is the same book. This is Colossians 3. He gives us some instruction. He says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger. Rage. Malice. Slander. And filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and is in all. What is Paul saying there? We're about to come. Listen, here's what Paul's saying. We need to rid ourselves from those things that are not like Christ. We need to find those things, root them out, because they are not the image of God. And we need to start looking like the image of our Creator. And as we get some of those things out, lying, anger, and slander, and even filthy language, saying, Dirty words. As we do those things. As we get rid of those things. We start to become more like Jesus. And as we look more like Jesus. We start to look more like the image. Of God. 
And when we do this, we will see ourselves differently. And that last verse is kind of confusing. About no Gentile, no Jew, no circumcised, uncircumcised. What he's doing there is he's showing groups of people that are distant from each other. The Jews and the Gentiles didn't get along. The circumcised and the uncircumcised. They were always fighting and they didn't see each other well. And then there's barbarians. There are violent people out there. And then there's Scythians. They, they, they had bad things about them. And we would see all these people and we'd castigate one another. Just like we do today when we put people in boxes and say you're this and you're that. And you're, I'm better than you because I'm this. And, and the church does it just as bad because we say, well, I'm Baptist and you're Methodist. Huh? And you're Episcopalian and I'm whatever and I'm Pentecostal. We do it. But when Paul is talking here, he's saying, as we come into that image, all that slander and all that division among us, all of that is gone away. And all that's left is Christ. Christ is all and is in us all. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that person you're having trouble with Christ would be in you and Christ would be in them and that whatever is between you, that wall, it would just crumble and y'all be unified as the image of God. We need to see others differently. We need to see ourselves differently. We will not see Gentile or Jew denomination or de uh, that denomination. We won't see this nationality or this political party. We won't see wealthy or poor, but all that we see anymore is the image of God. The Imago Dei reclaimed. People see Christ in us. Are you tired of being hijacked today? It's time to put Jesus in control of everything. These altars are open. They're going to be praying. They're going to be singing. You can sing. You can worship. Let's take a moment to put all our focus on God. Let's take a moment to surrender ourselves to Him. Those things in your life that you know are not of God, it's time to get attack those things, uproot those things. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing and then we're going to worship. If you want special prayer, you come up, let me know. I want to pray for you. I believe God has powerful things to do in your life. You can reclaim the image. The person you were always meant to be, you can be that person tonight. Father, I pray for all my friends watching, listening online. Friend, you can be the person God created you to be right now. You can be the mom and dad God created you to be. You can be the brother or sister. You can be the worker God has always created you to be. You can be the person God has already created you to be. Take on the image of Christ. Come on. God convicts us of those things of where we do wrong. It's time to uproot those things. We need to repent of those things. We need to confess that we did those things and then say, God, take those things. I don't want to do those things anymore in Jesus' name. Help us to love others, God. Help us to surrender our hatred and help us, God, to be in your will. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Come on, let's reach out to the Lord in this place. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.